Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive into classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the payoff. Dude, that was bad, but you get the idea. That was my attempt at the Mark Marrow and Sable theme song. This is Tom Healy, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Ryan. Jeff, how excited is 12-year-old Jeff to be covering this episode? Yeah, the uh, adolescent in me is still uh, waiting on that moment when we get uh, the Sable return and we get the uh, much better roar and a uh, whip crack. But um, either way, uh, exciting stuff happening today. So, this Dude, what be- would the pop have been like at the Royal Rumble if she came out at 30 in the Women's Rumble? You and I talked about like. Um, Trish got a good one anyways. And that was a nice little story. You and I talk about a lot. Like it's got to happen. The day will come. We will get it one day. So, um, is she the last, is she the last woman that's alive? That would be like a surprise return women's wrestler. She definitely be the biggest surprise. I mean, I guess if Sonny came out, I mean, she came back for the hall of fame at least, but I guess if she came out, but there's not many left. I mean, hell we've gotten like multiple Trish and Lita matches and a lot of them come back, which has been awesome. But she's like, you know, the main one that, I mean, she's just been gone forever. You don't see Jacqueline much, uh, but there's a few. But she's definitely, yeah, Sable is definitely the top. With how much Brock's there, you know she's hanging around. So, um, whatever. It's all good stuff. But as always, welcome to the payoff. Subscribe to the payoff wherever you might be listening. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, you name it. Just make sure to subscribe to us. Give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts that we always push it because it helps us a lot. And of course, spread the word about the show. Um, we love seeing the interaction on Twitter. We've gotten some good response to these last few shows. So it's always good to see people reaching out to us, talk to us. So, um, And of course, you can find us Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Payoff Pod. Tom and I are on there too, at Payoff Tom, at Payoff Jeff. So. Tom, what else you got? Well, we, we we're back with a guest this week because it's you know we're we're sticking with the WrestleMania theme throughout WrestleMania. We are uh, on the road. We are on the road. So this is a good one. This is a, a WrestleMania debut. Uh, Mark Mara is going to be an awesome guest. But then we've also got some really really awesome WrestleMania matches and moments coming up. Um, with no guests. So we're excited to, again, be mixing in some guests, doing some episodes by ourselves. We hope you're digging all kinds of different types of episodes that we're doing. Uh, We're going to keep that up. We got some new guests that are coming up this spring. So keeping it fresh on the payoff, trying to make this show as strong as possible, mix it up. We hope you're enjoying it. We appreciate the interaction on social media. Um, Keep it coming. Tell your friends about the show. And uh, thank you to all our listeners around the world. Uh, Jeff, quickly, how do we do things here at the payoff for some of our new friends? Of course, I'm sure everyone can recite it, but we're going to say it anyways. But of course, here at the payoff, we give you that deep dive into a match every Monday. And of course, every episode, it's got how many parts? Three parts. We got the build, the payoff, the aftermath. We talk about that before, we talk about that during, and of course, that after and what happened. So we got those reviews, we got those write-ups, we give our score and our thoughts. 
So, uh, Tom, let's just jump right in. Why did you want to talk about this match? Dude, as you said those three things, I started thinking about the uh, Drew McIntyre. Is it 3-2-1 or 1-2-3 before Four. he does the Claymore kick? Uh, I think it's 3-2-1. I'm fooling myself. Yes, you're right. Okay, look. Look, and you, everyone knows I'm a huge Shawn Michaels, Mark. But later in his career, when he started doing the tap, 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 I almost like hurt my knee trying to do that on a hard floor. But when he would do that, like, I'm like, just hit the damn guy. You're trying to win, right? Like, and, and so I, I don't like, hey, we're, I mean, imagine like him and Brock Lesnar, right? Like these two big ass guys, great fight, right? I want to see him hit the kick. I don't want to see him do the countdown thing. It's just like, if you want to present wrestling like it's a shoot, like it's real, like it's a fight, I, I don't know. In, in boxing, I don't see many like one, two, three, and then they hit them with a knockout punch. I don't see much of it in UFC either. So I don't like that. That's that's just my gripe, but I'm not a fan of this like counting before moves or, you know, even the woo that Roman Reigns does. Not a fan, man. Not a fan. And I feel like more and more of these guys now are doing it. You didn't see a ton of it back then. I liked when there was a setup move, a finishing move. You know, I want the big boot, then the leg drop. I don't need like a, a countdown to it. I also like the RKO out of nowhere, the super kick out of nowhere. I don't need like some big setup. I still think the best super kick from Shawn Michaels is the uh, Shelton, Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, it's always like that will forever be where he killed Shelton. So um, that was good. Yeah, I like him out of nowhere. So I'm excited about this show uh, for a couple reasons, right? Um, I always thought Mark Merrow was underrated. Uh, you know, we'll talk more about this, but the wild man gimmick sucked. The Johnny B. Bad gimmick. We remember it, but it kind of sucked. You weren't putting the world title on the guy. Uh, the marvelous Mark Merrow kind of sucked. So I never felt like Mark Merrow, the man, ever got a fair shake in terms of like a really good gimmick character persona, and it really hurt him. So um, I find his career fascinating, and, and it's a big kind of what if. He had a good run, made some money in the business, was part of some cool angles and, and stuff. But man, this guy to me should have been a lot bigger of a star obviously the guy could cut a promo based on you know the professional speaking work he's done so that could have been there um the work ethic the work rate the look the body i mean that was all there the guy should have been a star so that's interesting to me then of course oh sable who wasn't even supposed to be a wrestler or a character or anything else who was kind of a throwaway valet in the process of bringing the wild man into wwf becomes this massive star i mean Jeff, there was a stretch where Sable was arguably the biggest star in the company, maybe second behind Steve Austin. And then, of yep. course, the Brock Lesnar connection. So there's a lot there that's really fun to talk about as he becomes a WWF superstar. That's why I wanted to cover this. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, I th one, I think it's because this is really the first, like, real, like, true two-night build, I guess, as it kind of, you know, it's a very quick mm. build, but it's over 24 hours. But at the same time, I think different than any other of the matches that you and I've talked about, the whole story, the two, like, like between him and her and then Triple H or Hunter Hearst Helmsley wasn't Triple H then, but like they never were in the ring together. Like it wasn't a match that got this story and debut set up. 
it was all outside of the ring or when other things were happening, like we're going to talk about. And so just totally different in regards to like how we got this bill or like this build, which gave us the payoff is just totally different than any of the ones that we've talked about. Yeah. And the other thing too, is remember, this is the beginning of the night after WrestleMania raw meaning something. And we'll, we'll get into, you know, a couple of the, the debuts that took place on the show, but this was, kind of the beginning of that really so that's that's a fun angle as well in this whole show yeah absolutely so i I could you and i are both we're right we got a lot everyone should be excited we got a lot to talk about we got some good stuff here so tom with that let's get to the build oh it's time for the build so we're going to cover two shows today. So this is all about Mark Marrow's debut. The debut on screen takes place at WrestleMania 12, and then he wrestles his first match the night after on Raw. So we're going to watch both of those with Mark Marrow, and we're going to discuss, again, to Jeff's point, this two-night debut, if you will. Um, we're not going to get... Uh, an exhaustive recap of WrestleMania 12. We'll save that for another match and another night. There's definitely some stuff on that show worth covering in detail. But just to refresh everyone's uh, memory, 1996 is when WrestleMania took place. Uh, WrestleMania 12 took place. It's March 31st. It's in the Arrowhead Pond in uh, Anaheim, California. So uh, it's just a basic arena show. And uh, the show was memorable for a lot of reasons. Again, we won't get into it, but... We're here to talk about the Mark Marrow debut, which, I mean, crazy as it is, takes place right after the Ultimate Warrior squashing in about a minute Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who was minute over. Mi- minute 40. I got yeah. it. Don't worry, buddy. Yeah. It, it, who's over is like a major star. I'm not major star, but I mean, I see level star. This Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, hits the pedigree who I don't believe anybody had kicked out of. I mean, remember, this is an era where no one was kicking out of finishers, but Triple H gives the pedigree to the Ultimate Warrior, no sells it, boom, he's up, he hits his finisher, he wins. Um, Crazy. So then after that's when we get this uh, Mark Merrow interview. But I got to ask you, you know, two things. First of all, do you know who got the biggest pop at WrestleMania 12? The Warrior. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The ultimate warrior was the most over guy. So when people trash the warrior and stuff and, oh, you know, I can't believe he came back. I mean, obviously the guy was, you know, a little crazy behind the scenes, tough to work with, but the dude was over. And if in this era, and this is a whole nother show, whole nother time to talk about, but in this era, if the warrior had maybe played a little bit nicer with management and, and got along a little better with Vince, he might have had a world title run in him because he was just so damn popular um, at this time. You know, so it's it's just crazy to think about what could have been. And remember, we're, you know, this this the year after the WrestleMania 13, because of Sean leaving, there was a lot in flux. I could have definitely seen Vince hitting the panic button and giving the world title back to the Ultimate Warrior, uh, but he just wasn't around by then. So he comes back. That's really big, kind of the re-debut of the Ultimate Warrior. Triple H is accompanied by uh, Sable, which, Jeff, I'm sure you're going to get into, and then we get that. So that's where this interview takes place is at WrestleMania 12. And, dude, I mean, look at the crowd. I'm sorry. Look at the talent on this show that this crowd got to see, okay? I mean, you had Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, Undertaker and Diesel, Ultimate Warrior and Triple H, Steve Austin, Roddy Piper, Goldust, 
Bulldog, Owen Hart, Vader, Yokozuna, Jake Roberts, Sonny, Sable. I mean, you know, for a show that's certainly not one of the best or, or most remembered WrestleManias, there was a lot of talent on this show. Granted, some hadn't really found their stride. So I thought that was interesting. Then we're also going to talk about the next night on Raw, which is when he makes his wrestling debut. And again, dude, crazy show. This was a really good Raw. You had Mankind's debut, Mark Marrow's wrestling uh, debut. You had Shawn Michaels as the new world champion in the big interview to kind of kick him off as world champion. Just keep in mind, this is in a 3,000-seat venue, okay? Because this wasn't when they were, you know, doing the big Raw in the same uh, city as WrestleMania. But here's who you would have saw live and in person in this 3,000-seat arena if you were at this show. You would have saw the ultimate, and, and some of this was dark matches, but you would have saw the ultimate warrior, Goldust, Jake Roberts, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Undertaker, Vader, Mankind, Mark Marrow, Sable, the future Kane, Sonny, the future JBL, Vince McMahon, and Shawn Michaels. Pretty crazy, dude. That would have been a fun show to go to. So those are the two shows we're talking about. Jeff, give us the storyline build of how we get Mark Marrow in the WWF. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff here. So we're going to set the stage Absolutely. Here. We have Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who I will refer to as Triple H, but this was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And so you also had Sable and Mark Marrow. So Sable actually made her debut. It was that WrestleMania 12. She was escorting Hunter, and I'm just going to say it, Hunter Hearst Helmsley because there is a big difference. So she was escorting Hunter Hearst Helmsley to the ring so he could take on the returning Ultimate Warrior. At the time, and a lot of people forget, like Hunter Hearst Helmsley was before he was Triple H. It was before he was the game, before the Cerebral Assassin, like all these different things that, but Hunter Hearst Helmsley would actually come to the ring every week with a new woman as his valet. Um, his theme was actually like, it was, it's almost, it's comical at this point, but it was like the, like a real light, like piano, like you might see in like, you know, some like, like the queen or something like that, like just real light and playing that. Um, but he kind of was, you know, the, the way that it was described in a lot of places I was reading was the Connecticut blue blood. He was just an upper class snobby heel. That's what it was. And so um, just real, just really a real dick. There's no other way to put it. That's all he was. So, um, Warrior, though, had been quasi-retired for a few years. He actually left the WWF in 1992. This was 1996, so he had been gone for a while. Um, like we already said, Warrior, he squashed Hunter Hearst Helmsley and what was officially, I saw somewhere between a minute 38, a minute 40. So um, very quick match. The match itself, though, not great, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll talk more about it, but... The individual entrances were both longer than the match itself. Um, it was pretty much like a clothesline, a no-sell pedigree, and like a splash for a win. Like it, it was not like it, it was like, you know, when Goldberg came back and squashed Brock, like it, it was stunning really at the time. So it might be like Goldberg when he squashes Bray in Saudi Arabia in a few weeks. I don't think, no, they're not going to do that to us. I hope not. That'd be crazy. But. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, boy. Yeah, get your 
Yeah. So um, I'm just going to keep moving on here because that's just nonsense. So uh, maybe he's sister Abigail, but um, we didn't, we've kind of talked about Marrow's uh, Mark Marrow's kind of uh, career, like a little bit on our previous episode with him. And we were um, talking about the rocks debut. And so um, this is one though, that up to this point, he had been wrestling with WCW. Now I say WCW, to kind of you know i always like trying to lay the timeline out for people here this was not nitro wcw this was not monday night wars ww this was before all of that and he actually started in 1991 and he was only an enhancement talent um like tom said he was actually signed by dusty Rhodes as johnny b bad tom do you remember who johnny b johnny b bad's first manager was i have no clue teddy long Ooh, so okay teddy long we, we it's been a while since we've done some trivia and so we've got uh, uh the first manager for johnny b bad was teddy long have i ever told you my teddy long story probably but let's share it please so i'm at a smackdown taping at the civic arena in pittsburgh i don't know if you've ever been to a show where you've had the really shitty obstructed view seats that are kind of by the entrance okay so you can't really see the titan tron um you know you're behind it yeah Yeah, you're behind it but they're they're kind of close and you know when you're i don't know high school or college or whatever i was Look, it was a $30 ticket, right? I mean, you don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was fine. So, and, and this was actually a show where WWF champion Hulk Hogan defeated Chris Jericho. Oh, man. Okay. Guess who I watched that match with? I watched oh. it with Teddy Long, who kind of walked out from the back. And I think he was a ref at the time, but he just sat there. We were just bullshitting with him, me and my buddy, for like half the show. It was so random. So you would very, not very, see that nowadays. Yeah. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. But very, very nice guy. So that's just random. But I, I, I didn't know story. if I'd ever told you that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he was eventually signed, or like I say, we signed by Dusty Rose, but then he made his pay per view debut. It was the Great American Bad. For those of you that don't remember who Yellow Dog is, that would be the one and only Brian Pillman, who we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Um, had Brian Pillman Jr. on the show as well, too. Hope to have him back. And so um, that was good stuff. So the match, though, between Warrior and Hunter, it's not as important as like it's not as important to the story, but rather what happened immediately after it. So um, I'm going to consider this the build to Marrow Sable teaming. It's just how I'm cutting it. But so here we go. So it's literally right after the match. If you're kind of watching this on the network or, or kind of checking out as soon as it like the, the match was over, it cut back to um, a backstage interview with a debuting Mark Marrow, or I don't know if you like when you watched or not, but one thing I noticed is they called him. Uh, but it was Marrow. Um, uh, debuting and doing this interview. So he was WCW still owned the Johnny B bad name. And so he had to be, which was the wild man, Mark Marrow. So um, I will say, I think it was like, 
it was really like the week after he left WCW and he had some issues with the storyline that was happening there that it was literally like the week after. And especially like nowadays in, in 2020 and hearing about like, you know, the dirt sheet, like rumors about contracts and like non-compete clauses and like time getting added to contracts and stuff. It's just crazy to think like literally one week and, you know, he's got, like he's on WCW and then the next week he's not and he's on WWE. And so happened more often back then. We know some of the more famous ones with people jumping, but uh, just crazy with that. So um, he was doing this backstage interview and then it was actually Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who after he had left the ring was coming through backstage, he bumped in to Marrow and they kind of pushed each, o- each other, but it's just real quick. And then, he pointed to Sable and said, this whole thing is your fault. So he was blaming his loss on Sable. And then of course, as we do in the wrestling universe, the two of them started brawling and that was it. So um, that was when you kind of had that story being set up that, you know, the three of them, that was their first kind of on screen, the three of them, their interaction. Um, It was the following night then after uh, mania that uh, Mark Merrow made his in-ring debut. It was a Monday night raw um, against again, one of our favorites uh, reinventing himself. uh, Yeah. Isaac Yankum. And so um, the two of them in the ring, uh, that's kind of where I'll kind of hit the brakes for now. We got some more to talk about. So that's the second match to this and kind of what happened. So uh, I'll leave everyone on the edge of their seat. And Tom, I'll kind of kick it to you before we get into the payoff. So what else do you have? Wow, you covered a lot. Um, I'll just add a little color to it. So, dude just a weird era, right? It's like some of the stuff, I mean, you have like Sean and Brett, these great in-ring workers going 60 minutes in an Iron Man match. And you also have a dent, an evil dentist. Um, Just weird. And remember, this is before fake razor and fake diesel. So there's like some really good, serious shit going on in these shows. I mean, you have Triple H and Steve Austin kind of finding their own way. Sean and Brett on the top of the card. and then you got some of this goofy shit. I, you know, the Triple H gimmick, I thought it was pretty good. I still, like, love that music. I'd love to see him one more time just come out to that thing. I don't know why fun. he would ever do it, but I don't know. I just think that would be funny. But I still love that music, and uh, and, and, and he was a good heel. Um, so I thought it was a good angle and, and way to introduce Marrow and Sable, and it just – it all fit really well. Um I'll talk more about this after the uh, in the aftermath, but man, that wild man gimmick just sucked. Um, mm. And the last thing is, I, I just chuckled. I, I don't know if you've ever heard the story. I know I know Marrow tells it, and and some other you know he a variety of places. But it's you know the idea of like Vince McMahon meeting with Mark Marrow to talk about like potential gimmicks and having him sign his contract, and then Sable like walking in the room like oh god damn it pal that's who i want to talk to you know like it's just entire like attention shifting to her versus him um i I just can't imagine how like awkward and it's probably happened exactly like we imagine it (laughs) especially at that time yeah i'm sure it did yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So if 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 ten percent of those stories about Vince in this era are true, then it makes me just happy and cringe <laughs> all at the same. So right. um 
all right, here's the deal. We're going to watch the, the Mark Marrow uh, WrestleMania debut, and then we're going to shift to uh, the match on Raw. Both are available on YouTube. Both are available on the network. Um, and if you can't time them up perfectly, definitely go back and watch them. But they're, they're both pretty cool to watch. And uh, Marrow, like he was last time, is an awesome guest. So uh, enjoy the interview. We'll catch you on the other side with the aftermath. But right now it's time for... The payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right, we are here with Mark Marrow, and we're going to be talking about how Mark Marrow entered the World Wrestling Federation. Mark, welcome to the payoff. Tom, great to be here. All right, so you're making your debut here at WrestleMania 12. And, you know, tell us, how'd you think it went? What's going through your mind as you uh, enter the World Wrestling Federation? Well, this is right after, you know, I became this new character coming from Johnny B. Bad to Wild Man Mark Merrow. And as you can see, I'm trying to figure out what the hell is a Wild Man Mark Merrow <laughs> to know what exactly I'm, I'm, my persona was. But it was just kind of just wild. And, uh, of course, uh, this is where I believe that Triple H comes out. We get a little backstage brawl, you know? Yep. Uh, but this was not quite the debut I was hoping for. But it was still fun. You know, uh, Triple H was such a sport, man. We I, we I remember driving him into that steel door pretty hard, too, man. It was like, oh, my gosh, we just nailed this door. Yeah, yeah we hit really hard. And the yellow jacket, are you wearing that because those were the wild man's colors? Uh, no, I, well, you know, I never thought about that, but they did match the, uh, the, the, the gold and black I wore, but yeah, um, not, didn't really think of that, but looking at it now, I don't have that jacket anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> what, uh, what made, what made you make the jump uh, from WCW to the WWF? Uh, Tom, you know, it's like going to the WF was the dance. And I, you know, it's like the, the Super Bowl professional wrestling is WrestleMania. And here I am at WrestleMania, man, you know, how, how, what, what better place to make your debut than WrestleMania. So I always knew that my career never felt like it was going to be fulfilled if I didn't go to the dance and I made it to the dance. I made it to the WrestleMania. Well, and then the next night, and that's the next clip we're going to watch here, we had you uh, on Raw the night after WrestleMania wrestling Isaac Yankum. Now, is this the first dentist that you had ever wrestled? <laughs> the first and only dentist I ever wrestled, okay? What, what, you know, it's so, yeah, what did you think of him at the time? Oh, first of all, he did a great job for me. I mean, obviously, this is Kane. You know, this is like the, one of the biggest, strongest guys out there. And here he is putting over this new guy that's coming in, knowing he's got to do this job for him. And he did everything we asked him to do, you know, including the, the moves I did. He was just, he was a really talented guy. Did you, I mean, did you look at him and think, this guy should be like a star and doing something better than being a fake dentist? You know, I think not just me, but anyone that, that wrestled with him knew how talented he was. And it was, a, you know, it was a matter of just having the right character, the right gimmick. And they luckily they found it and it worked unbelievable for him. Was there something about him that like, does it surprise you that he's a mayor of a city now? 
just based on the way you interacted with him? It seemed like a little bit. Just you know what? He was always really quiet. I mean, I, 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 I did, he was not loud. He wasn't, you know, rude. He, he was a good person. And I, I think he had really good morals and he, he wanted to help other people. And, and uh, no, I'm not surprised about that at all. How did your WWF career come to an end? Oh, gosh. You know, like I said, I had three years left on a guaranteed contract. And um, my ex-wife, Sable, had some real issues with some of the guys there. And, and um, gosh, we just she filed a lawsuit against the WWF, a sexual harassment lawsuit. So we basically just walked away. And didn't end on the way, you know, you, you would hope it would have. But uh, like I said, you look back on life. I never would have found the things I, I'm doing now if it didn't end that way or didn't, you know, didn't end at that time. So, you know, as, as sad as that part was, I, I really, it's funny when you say that because I, I tend to, whenever I think about me as a wrestler, I always think of the, these good times and these good things that happen and not so much about the injuries or the, the negative stuff. But when you when you left, you were still feeling good physically. Tom, repeat that again. I, yeah, I said, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah, I said, I said when you left, though, you were still feeling good physically at that point and would continue to wrestle. Correct? I, I could have easily yes, could continue to wrestle. And I was thinking about going. And I, I think I went over to TNA for a little while. I went to. Uh, I was thinking about going back to WCW for a while, but. You know, it it just kind of lost its, its luster. Right? My my love for the the sport wasn't as, as as prevalent as it was when I was you know when I first started. I'd been on the road for a long time at this point, and and uh, it was time to to move on to something else. So you would you would use this shooting star press as a finisher. Uh, where did you come up with that, and when did you start using that? Well, you know. <laughs> The weird thing was, is that that's another thing. I, I used to be, we, we used to have this place in Syracuse, New York, we used to go to called Green Lakes. Dude, we, we just have fun with the craziest stuff, the double flips, back flips. Um, and of course, the shooting star press is just a full gainer, really. It's, it's just kind of a full game that you lay out. So I, I already knew how to do it. I just never did it on a rope, you know, on, on ropes. So I went to my, my daughter's gymnastics school and I got a pommel horse and a crash pad and I just started practicing it where I'd lay it out and, and open up on it. So I'd land on my stomach, you know? And um, it, was, it was at that point that I decided to, to bring out there and the first person I ever did it on was uh, Dustin Rhodes, Goldust. And it was at uh, um, SummerSlam. Never did it before, never practiced it. And I told Dustin before the match, I said, hey, I've got a new move I want to try. And he goes, well, what is it? And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Samoan drop you in the corner. I'm going to the top rope, and I'm doing this flip. But I'll open up, and I'll land on my hands and my knees, and I'm chest to chest. He looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. <laughs> but he's such a good sport. He goes, all right, if you want to go for it, I'll do it. But I yeah. never did it before. I remember at SummerSlam, I mean, I'm thinking about what I'm doing here. I'm going to the top rope, and now it's time for me to do this move I've never done before other than in a gymnastic place where you land on a crash but I never landed on a person before and I got up on the top rope and of course uh, we nailed it pretty good you know and it felt good but the, the thing about that move is that when you do it you know now I got to do it in house shows and stuff like that you know so I'm doing it night after night 
but it's you're smashing your knees so hard on the on the mat every time you land. You know, your your hands and your knees. So you know your my wrist started hurting, my knees were were, were killing me, and then it's like, uh, why did I ever come up with that move to do every you know, that I do every single night? You know, now I didn't have a finishing move here. I beat I beat. Uh, I used to yank him with a sunset flip. I think it was, you know. Well, yeah, and that's crazy. what I. Was, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. You for for months you were winning matches doing like moves like that. Was was there a reason you didn't have like a strong finishing move? No, we just didn't have one. We were trying to come up with something, so we were just trying some different things. And I do a slingshot into the uh, ring from outside and pin the guy that way, or or do a, a you know like a, a Frankensteiner off the top rope and uh, pin them that way, but it just wasn't right. You know, it didn't feel right. So I knew I had to come up with something and I wanted to come up with something nobody's ever done in WWF before. And, and that was it. That's where I come up with the uh, Shooting Star Press. I was the first one to, to uh, ever have done that, as far as I know, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe years before, but I don't remember. Um, I, I actually saw um, a guy over in Japan do it. And that's when I first thought, well, I want to do this move, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, we got one more match. This was two weeks later on Raw. Another quick one here, and we'll wrap up talking about, you know, your career and uh, really just how you got to the WWF because it's, it's really an interesting story. Um, any memories of this entrance music they gave you at the time as you're coming to the ring here? Uh, it just well, didn't really – yeah, I'm just curious how that came about. And it was just well, kind of bland. Know, that, that, that actually uh, – my music became Sable's music. You know, the, the cat growl, you know? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was my music. I mean, obviously for a while, man, Mark Merrill, but then when we split, they they, they kept it with her. And um, so she had that music. And you know how crazy it was that that music went gold and then went platinum. So all those WWF kids bought the, <laughs> bought the music, you know? If you, you know, if you were given advice to a, just let's just say one of the high school students you're speaking to, would you tell them to get into the wrestling business now, or would you discourage them from doing it? You know, Tom, I, I always tell people to go after their dreams and goals. Who, who am I to say that's not another rock out there or another Stone Cold Steve Austin? Who, you know, when people say, uh, the business sucks or this or that, you know, they're gonna, you know, it's, it's all how we you know, perception is reality. And it's how you perceive something in life. But I really try to get people to go after dreams and goals. But, you know, is it really something they want to do or is it just because they saw someone else do it and they said that looks cool, but they don't really have their heart into it. And there's yeah. a big difference. You got to really have your heart into this business if you're really going to make it big. What do, you, what do you wish you would have known when you started getting into the business? I was not very political. When I mean political, I mean backstage politics. I wasn't one of those guys that went out, you know, um, hanging out with the bookers or, you know, trying to fit in. And I think the guys that were able to navigate their political affiliates, I should say, you know, uh, um, it, it helped their career a lot. You know, it's remember, it's a it's a career that you're 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 raised and lowered by someone's your your profile is raised and lowered by someone's opinion. Well, it's interesting. You know, people talk about the politics and the wrestling business. It's a company. It's no different than any other Fortune 500 company out there, right? I mean, that's that's you, you got to game the system and work politics. 
It is, but there's also a buddy, a buddy system, like uh, sure. in, in many big companies, there's a buddy system, you know, and, yeah. and buddy systems sometimes override all that. So Al Snow's in the ring, Marty Jannetty's in the outside of the ring. Did you know either of those guys well? Any impressions or thoughts on either of those guys? Um, got along good with both those guys. Never had a problem. Al, Al Snow, obviously, I work with him uh, a lot more. And, you know, he's got his own wrestling school. He's a very talented guy. And, um, you know, he, he found, a, found a little niche when he, it was kind of funny, you know, that back in the Attitude Era, you probably wouldn't see that much now today. No. But, uh, you know, it was, like I said, just a crazy time. And Al was a, Al was a good guy. He, he is a good guy, you know. How do you want to be remembered by wrestling fans? You know, gosh, um, I, I guess... You know, I, I really tried my best, you know, in, in, in my matches. I never, I never called it in. I always, whenever it's time to wrestle, I came out there and really tried my best. You know, I didn't always have the best matches or, or the best persona, but I, I, I hope people realize I, I really did try. Um, and, um, you know, looking back, you, I really cared about fans. Like, I really treat fans good. There's not many people that could say I was a jerk to them or, wouldn't sign something or, or, or ignored him or called him a name or was rude. I really tried to be kind to people. And um, now I, I realize more now than ever how important that is. What's something that fans may not know about you that would surprise them? Um, hmm, that would surprise them. Um, what would surprise them? Um, wow. That's a good, that's a good question. What would surprise them? I, I don't know. I do a lot of, I mean, I have this crazy work ethic, you know, I don't sleep a lot. I, I always sleep a few hours a day. Um, um, crazy work ethic, travel a lot. Love people, love God, love people. Two greatest commandments. I think those are the most important things in my life. How are you staying healthy when you're out there doing, you know, hundreds of talks a year? <laughs> I mean, I really try to eat good. I, it's funny. I travel with, with a, a friend of mine. We, he's my, uh, my uh, the manager on the road that, that runs my program when we're at schools and stuff. Um, and uh, we always try to look for healthy places to eat. You know, we, we both try to find good, you know, restaurants or, I mean, healthy food, you know, so... It's, it's not, it can be done. It's not easy, but it can be done. We, we don't go to fast foods like, uh, you know, McDonald's or things like that. We don't, we don't do that. We always uh, make sure we, we get something fairly good to eat. If you had to go back and so, I mean, obviously we're a couple weeks into your WWF career, I mean, and 2020 hindsight, but if you had to go back, what gimmick or persona would have been best for you? I mean, if you had to do it again and go back to the drawing board, what do you think, what character would have gotten you the most over? Wow, Tom, that's a tough question because like I said, when I, when I became the WWF, the creative team, had this character, Wildman Mark Merrill, and I was using my real name too, which is kind of unusual, you know, using your real name. Um, and I wouldn't have used my real name uh, because it led to a lot of problems down the road, especially when, when people would, would know where you are or where you live and things like that. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not sure what character would have best suited me 
for the WWF? Um, it's a great question, and uh, I'd have to really think about that. So if we do another one, maybe I'll have an answer for you. Yeah, yeah, you'll you come back. You'll be like, all right, I would have been the killer, and I would have <laughs> – you got it all worked out. What's funny, I, I think now it's like if you if you went back in the ring now, I think, you know, you'd obviously be a really good, good guy because of the work you're doing, but you know you could just as easily turn heel and flip it upside down. <laughs> I think that's the, the coolest thing about, you know, when you went – you flip at the right time. Like when, um, when I turned on Sable, I mean, they loved her, you know, she was like, and I, I remember, remember the things we would do We'd have her come out with a potato sack. She'd come out dressed as Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer during Christmas. She was, I would put her in, in, in terrible clothes and, uh, make her wear these, these old, you know, moo moo dresses, remember? And, and it was oh, like, yeah. she always aged me. She always had something that would get me over or get her over, you know? Yeah. And, and we, then we had so much fun doing that. I mean, I remember just, we would sit with Vince Russo and come up with these crazy ideas of how she could outshine you on something, you know? So it was all part of the plan. People go, how could you let a wife, how could you let your, your wife powerbomb you and ruin your career? But people have got to remember something that we were married and the Brinks truck is backing up to our home <laughs> at that time. So it was like, I never thought about, well, I'm ruining my career because you know, it's, it's, we're, we're doing this together, you know, and I was so proud of her and her comp. Yeah. Well, and I was, I was, I was 14 years old for that uh, potato sack uh, angle. So I'll never forget that one. <laughs> Well, hey, Mark, we, uh, we really appreciate you joining us on the payoff. This was a really great conversation. We covered a lot of fantastic stuff. Uh, appreciate you walking us through your career and uh, being such an awesome guest. Thank you so much. Uh, Tom, you're wonderful, man. Great to meet you, and thank you. And God bless you, man, and the fans out there. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. Welcome back, as always. Uh, Got to thank Mark Merrow for joining us. I know uh, fans really liked him the first time we had him here, and of course, talking about a great match. And this one, just kind of a fun angle, just kind of, you know, not even angle, just a fun story, it's just kind of what it led to. So um, I'll, I'll say, like, just a fun note um, that I read just in one of the write ups. I'll jump the gun a little bit here because I think it's just, it's fun. Um, mankind and Mark Merrow deserve to be spotlighted, but will no doubt, or but no doubt, McMahon will once again fail to take advantage of top-flight talent. When the WWF fails to improve, there is one thing that will be certain: old billionaire Ted will get the last laugh after all. Um, I thought it just interesting because even back then, just some of the you know things. Raw. Um, and so it's interesting how mankind did get the push. We know the, the story of people turning their TVs from uh, Raw or Nitro. Um, and, and just interesting, though, I think how that kind of played out and what it led to. Um, I'll have more on just his push later, but I, I, I'll say just before we get, what would you say? Who is the bigger star here, Tom, over time? Was it Sable or Marrow? I believe it was Sable. I would agree. Yeah. So. Oh, I thought you were being sarcastic. Yeah, it was definitely Sable, yeah. dude. There's no, there's no question by by any metric. Yeah, absolutely. So, what time? Whatever thoughts do you have on the on the payoff? Dude, Mero's a great guy, but the gimmick sucked, and you know it's this. 
dude, I mean, they look over the years, there have been some iconic characters, right? There's the Hogan's, the Warriors, the Savages, the Austin's, the Rocks, the Shawn Michaels. I mean, right? And your list goes on and on of all these Undertaker great characters. But there's just been so many shitty ones. And Mark Merrow had talent. Um, you know, was he the rock? No, but he could cut a promo. He had the look. He could do just about anything he needed to, him to do in the ring. Um, it's just the character sucked. And so the process was, you know, hey, you're going to be the wild man, pal. It wasn't like, what do you want to do? What are you passionate about? What are your hobbies? What do you do outside the wrestling ring? Like, can we extract something out of that that, you know, we could go with? Um, I mean, even the Marvelous Mark thing, you know, him being the boxer. I mean, he was a junior, you know, Golden Gloves boxer. So at least there was something rooted in reality. I thought that was a lot more realistic and, and could have gone more places than the wild man, right? I mean, mm. like, what do you want me to be? Like Tarzan, dude? Like what you mean? Come to the ring and like a, uh, like a vine or something. It was just so stupid. So um, I just thought it was goofy. It never really had a shot. It's tough to take a guy like this seriously. Um, I mean, what's the wild man? You know, it's like I can hear Vince being like, ah, oh, he's the wild man, pal. He's wild. Like, and even on commentary, I think there was some of that. If I remember from watching some of this stuff of like, this man's wild. Like, just so oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, that was okay. 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 Yeah, I thought so. You heard it right. All right. So just so stupid, man. So stupid. So um, I, I just... I, I think he did the best he could given it. I thought the promo at WrestleMania 12 was actually pretty good. Um, but again, what are you supposed to do with it? I mean, there's just not a whole hell of a lot you can do. So mm-hmm. um, tell us about the aftermath. What happened with him, you know, during this era? Yeah. So um, I stopped the bill just as the Isaac Yankum match was starting. So um, they, of course they make the point of saying that Sable is ringside and it's more than likely. And this of course is the next night. It's because of Marrow. Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he does come to ringside. So rewind a sec. So Marrow is having his match with Isaac Yankum. Um, Triple D- H. DDS. Yeah, sorry. Isaac Yank of DDS. I apologize. I want to give credit where credit's due. Well, so, I just think it's important to include his professional designation. If, if we're using the names, yeah, absolutely. So Hunter Hearst Helmsley, though, kind of not from, like, they didn't really show, but it looked like he came, like, kind of from backstage and made his way to where Sable was. When I say Sable was ringside, she was actually sitting in the seats in, like, the front row, as you see. Like, she's in kind of the debuting NXT position where you see on, like, the takeovers where there's someone sitting in the front row. That's kind of where she was sitting. So... Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he comes to ringside. He's talking to Sable. Um, Marrow, the match actually wasn't bad. Like, he was actually moving pretty good. I was actually... He was a really good worker. Yeah, I was actually super impressed with how this kind of played out. Um, And it was actually... uh, It wasn't the cleanest roll-up, but it was... Um, pretty solid from like it was a second or top rope kind of roll up where he went over uh, Isaac and kind of got it. And so, um, and of course, after he gets the one, two, three, Sable, she's cheering for him. She's excited as we would all be, you know, good stuff. Um, and then 
he kind of see, or, you know, Hunter herself's not happy with that. And so he's kind of getting into it with Sable. Marrow sees this, uh, kind of comes over. They push each other real quick. Um, Hunter Hearst tries to grab Sable actually, but then she slaps him, of course. And then Marrow, he grabs her, he pulls her over the barricade and the two of them leave up the, up the ramp or the, the walkway together. So, um, that was now the two of them are then intertwined. Now, um, after that, about later, it was a card of the ring during all of his matches at this point. And we did get the official nickname of the wild man. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, um, late, you know, in a bit here, but yeah, it definitely was a thing. Um, they kept saying it, um, uh, that he was, uh, it actually led to Marrow defeating Helmsley. It was a pay-per-view. It was in your house eight. It was actually a 16 minute match. I did go back and watch it. It was not a bad match. Again, good worker kind of doing that different stuff. It was great. And so, um, Marrow actually had some, like we had said a little bit earlier, like some of the big names, man, like we were spoiled, like some of these names it's, um, you know, he feuded with stone cold with gold dust. He had, he eventually won the intercontinental title. He actually, uh, it was dropped it to Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, and that actually, that storyline, as we've talked about before, it led to our previous episode with him where we were discussing the debut of the young kid, as we all know, him, Aki Maivia, and their Survivor Series bout. So um, how that's kind of intertwined, how that all comes together. So that's good stuff. So um, Sable remained Marrow's manager. It was actually until he was injured in 1997. Um, it was really until about 1998 when he came back. But during that time, that is when Sable became Sable. So um, really big, you know, she was getting the big stories line and, and what it, you know, what it eventually led to is she got over on her own, but then um, in the next storyline, when Marrow returned, he was then marvelous. Mark Marrow, no longer the wild man that um, he would become jealous. I remember this storyline pretty vividly. Uh, he would refuse to let stable get any of the spotlight. He mistreated her. He would try and make sure she was, you know, that he was trying to be the, the top billing in these things. And so uh, they had a big feud. The two of them was Luna Vachon and God, artist formerly known as gold dust. Uh, which is actually a match the following WrestleMania in 1990. Or, yeah, WrestleMania 14. Um, so two WrestleManias after that were the two of them. And then Sable it actually ended with the crowd kind of chanting Sable's name, and she got the pin for the win. And so um, intergender wrestling at its best, you know, back in the day. Uh, but we forget about that. And of course, the big storyline that we all remember, um, Sable eventually challenging Mark after um, he actually cost her a win after this, um, of course, kicked him in the, uh, uh, in the grapefruits, uh, delivered the Sable bomb to get revenge. Just one of those super memorable moments that, uh, that the iconic, like her kind of getting him up for the bomb. And so um, really good stuff. And of course it was uh, some of this was, again, <laughs> it doesn't age well. Um, and of oh, course, you couldn't like, have done. So, I mean, as you were saying that the, a lot of that, yeah. you couldn't have done now. I mean, there's just no way. And this was, you had the evening gown matches, you had the bikini contests, you had the, uh, of course the, uh, iconic, like, 
uh, you know, I say bikini contest, but as we all know, the like the hands on. Yeah, that whatever chest. whatever I heard you say that the iconic moment and the crowd going crazy. I thought you were going to talk about the bikini contest. I'm the getting hand into press. it right now. I know, okay. of course. So we can't forget about that. We have to talk about that. Where, um, yeah. So that was the whole. She was disqualified after the fact because that was not a true bikini, and so of course, right? I mean, I get a. If you're playing by the rules, that makes sense. You know, it wasn't. And so I get it. I'm not going to fight that. But um, as, of course, the adolescent boy, so many of us remember that. So, um, so yeah, that was just one of those great things that, uh, you know, doesn't age well now. But at the time, like, boy, that was that's when you're getting 14 million viewers a week or whatever it was watching Raw. So uh, just crazy numbers. So uh, fun stuff, though, here. It was interesting just kind of going back and watching a lot of this. Tom, what are the thoughts that you have, Tom? Which of uh, Sable's Playboy uh, was your favorite? Uh, I probably well because she was the first to debut, right? Like she was I, the first WWEF. Like, uh, yeah, I, I want to say it. She might have been on twice before anyone else. I, you know, what I forgot about was, and I think Sable is like at least twice, but maybe three or four times. What I forgot about was I remember China, but like Tori Wilson. Yeah, Tori weren't Wilson there a few there. others like that did it later on? Like I just, I, it, it just became like you know it wasn't a big deal. It, it, at first it was, but then after like you know they all started doing it, it just didn't really matter. I forgot about some of the other ones. Well, and people, yeah, um, it was sorry, Sable and Tori Wilson were together. You also Candice Michelle was in there too, and uh, Ashley. And no, I don't remember those off the top of my head. I'm looking at a list real quick for everyone. So. Jeff, Jeff I, I Jeff, I can see them on your bookshelf in your home office. That is, yeah, I know. right over so. your left shoulder. I actually, yeah, keep them uh, handy. Yeah, terrible, but um, yes, that was some of the ones that were in there. And wait, let me over your right shoulder. Is that the uh, Shawn Michaels Playgirl? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't discriminate. So uh, <laughs> it's a, in 1999, Sable posed for Playboy two times: once in April and once in September. Well, and those those apparently sold like a ton of copies. Like that's it's, why they kept putting them all on there. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, like it was I, I don't know what it was. You know, 25 cents or a nickel or some there was some royalty for everything they sold above what they typically sold so if they typically sold two hundred thousand, then everything above that they would get bonused on and it it really added up yeah absolutely because they i think they originally wanted sunny to do it and she was still really young and she declined yeah which yeah. <laughs> rear view mirror on that but yeah well so. it was you know it, it just it wasn't classy so she decided not to do it right of course course so i got some other uh mark marrow fun facts for you so did you know that mark marrow wrestled in tna i i did it just kind of reading through the notes i saw it was there but i didn't really look into who he wrestled or anything well, like I, that i was curious what his last match was and according to our friends at cagematch.net it's um as Johnny B. Bad, he wrestled in May of 2006. I'm sorry, in March of 2006 at a World Wrestling Legends match. Uh, this was in Orlando, Florida at the Hard Rock Cafe. And uh, he was in a tag match wrestling as Johnny B. Bad. The last televised match, it looks like it was from 2004, um, which was an impact show. And he was in there in a six man. Uh, AJ Styles was on his team. So, 
really random. Now, of course, because as all of us wrestling fans do, we get on these like internet deep dives or YouTube deep dives where we end up in some random places. I ended up looking at like the last pay-per-view that he was on. Get this. This is Victory Road 2004 for TNA, okay? Let me tell you the talent that was on this card. You had Bobby Roode, um, Road Dog, R-Truth. Uh, let's see here. Um, DDP defeating Raven. Um, in the semi-main event, you ready for this? Uh, Randy Savage wrestled. Barely did anything, but it was AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Savage against Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. I'm telling you, man, some of the stuff that happened in TNA, and I've said it before on the show, is so random. Like, I really at some point would love the that to end up on the WWE Network just so I could, like, find some of this shit because there is some random stuff that happened. Now, uh, as far as PWI and uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated goes, PWI 500, uh, this year, 96, where he debuted, he was 43 on the list. So, you know, I mean, making some waves, pretty well regarded. The potential was there. Again, just got saddled with a little bit of injury and some some poor booking, uh, but really was brought in at that IC level and and had the potential to be a star. Um, in 1995, he was actually the most improved wrestler um, uh, by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Um, so, you know, again, just some interesting stuff there. Rookie of the Year for PWI in 1991. And uh, I, again, not... I won't blame him for it because I think the work ethic was there and I think the desire was there, but just an underachiever in terms of what could have been. And I just think right gimmick, you know, healthy, right storylines, the guy could have been a really big star. Now, from what I've gathered, and this this could be wrong, but I, I believe it's probably true. What do you think the highest rated Meltzer match is of uh, Mark Merrow's career? Of his career? Oh boy, I have no idea what that could be. <laughs> King of the Ring against Steve Austin when he became oh, King of the Ring. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, that yeah. would make sense. So not not long after this. And uh, uh, hint, hint, that might be an episode that we have on a future show. Maybe one day. Maybe we'll one see. day. I would have so, no idea. So let's get into how this was received in the sheets. And then we'll give our payoff score of the, the Mark Merrow and Sable debut. And uh, we'll hit the road. Yeah, some different interesting write-ups here. Just kind of one random one I kind of found here that I enjoyed. They, they, the, the reviewer gave it a D plus, um, but it said, not much to the debut here, but the key thing that stuck out with me was Vince's commentary. This is for you, Tom. Uh, I couldn't count how many times he said, the wild man, Mark Marrow, so that it's stuck oh. in your head. That's the entire point of something like this. And Vince knows how to make you care about someone like Marrow, who isn't the most interesting guy in the world to begin with. Just a debut, but it did its job. And so to your point, Tom, yeah, it was more it was exactly as many times as you thought it was. So and then Ah, oh, the wild man. He's wild. Ah, King, look at this guy. He's he's wild. <laughs> and so, and then I thought kind of telling here, it was actually the pro wrestling torch. Keller actually did an interview with him from like, this was like right after 
um, this kind of occurred. And so I thought this was interesting, especially looking back and, and, and kind of what was said, but it said, it, it, Keller asked him at 35 years old, how many more years do you want to wrestle? And he said, I want to wrestle for five more years. I feel that's how long my body will still look good. I don't drink or do drugs. I keep my body in shape. I work out every day. I feel I've got five good years left to stay looking good. I don't want to go out there looking flabby or old. I think the reason my body is held up good so far is I started so late. I didn't start until I was 30. It's kind of a late start, but not really. Most of their guys really don't get into their primes until they are 35 or 38. So the next three years are going to tell the story of what Mark Merrow can do in this sport. Uh, I think... Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, here's what's interesting about professional wrestling, right? And look, I know it's like acting, it's fake, blah, blah, blah. But if you started naming like great wrestlers and I said, hey, when did they hit their stride or when was, you know, when were they a star? Dude, it's all over the map. And again, I know it's predetermined, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, there's guys where you're like, dude, at 23, that guy was incredible. There's other guys where it's like, yeah, their best work was at 38 or 40 or, I mean, hell, guys in their 40s. So it's just, it's pretty interesting that like some guys, you know, hit their stride early and peak out. Some guys, it's, you know, later on, there's, you know, some guys, I mean, the one guy I think of that, I mean, has been on top since day one, was always on top and is going to end up having a run from his 20s through his 40s is Brock Lesnar. But, you know, I mean, it's just interesting how, you know, guys do hit their stride at different times and, and some it takes forever and some it doesn't. Well, and some too, I feel like he's, he says like 35, 38 is when uh, people really start kind of hitting their stride. But we forget like is some of them anymore, like they're in their mid twenties, if that. And so it's uh, some of the top people here. Cause like, I was just, I was curious and like Liv Morgan is 24, like oh. Tony storm, 23, like Rhea Ripley, who's killing it right now is 22. Um, Velveteen dream. Like just came. like him saying that and he was kind of right like his best years were about within that next five-year gap of when he was um kind of like doing this and and really putting a name out there but he did go and he was out there for still another about 10 years so credit where credit's due to him as well too um i found this interesting too because i know tom you had just kind of some side conversations with him but he said what were your career and after your career you said you might want to go into counseling he said yeah either the ministry some type of christian work i want to continue what i'm doing talking at schools and churches and working with kids that's that is what he does like he is very very good at that too well and, and i and i may have said it on the the last time we had him on here but if if you knew the amount of speaking gigs he does a year and his travel schedule to make that happen it is a freaking grind and and i mean he is busting his ass and he's really good at it too it's really good content and he works really hard at it yeah so and then lastly the observer newsletter i thought this was interesting too and something that we forget too is this time of the year like this point in the 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 wrestling world and just the world at large like there wasn't as much of this like kind of behind the scenes stuff and so it's referenced here a little bit in regards to Sable and Marrow's relationship. And so I thought this was fun. So um, they were doing an interview introducing wild man Mark Marrow, who did a heel interview until Helmsley came out and the two started arguing and fighting. Helmsley then blamed the fight on the woman they who they called Sable that accompanied him to the ring. 
People have told me they are 99% sure Sable is Marrow's wife, and it's obvious she's going to wind up managing him. Based on everything that went down before, I have to believe that's the case. Lots of WCW folks found it humorous that WWF knocks WCW for not being original, and then they take Johnny B. Bad and put him in a total copy of the angle he was already in. And so I thought it was funny how, like, the, like you know, 99% confirmed that they were together, which just funny because at the time, yeah, they were. But you wouldn't necessarily know that because people were living the life far more back then than they were now. So, um, Tom, any other thoughts on some of these write-ups or what do you got? Nothing else. Let's give our payoff score. Who will go first? Do you want me to go first? I want you to go first. So I will say uh, I thought the – and I'm taking – just the whole debut as a package here. But the few notes I had here was one, I thought like the warrior entrance itself and his return, I know like, you know, people have personal feelings about the warrior. It's good that he at least kind of made his amends, um, you know, before he died, um, which is good. Like stuff like that. I will always enjoy the warrior entrance though. I was a fan of him growing up. And so um, I get that. I thought his no sell of the pedigree was fantastic. Um, like Triple H hit it and then boom, he was right back up. There was nothing like it. I thought that was really good. I, I th- you know, of course I have like wild man in all caps and an exclamation point in my notes because I have that there. I, I will say I'm going to score this one low um, because this is one of the, you know, the damsel in distress angle, which like, you know, not surprising how that kind of played out, but I've always heard the old saying, and I'm sure I'm not the only, or like if it's a TV show or something of like the singer outpacing the song. I feel like this is one of those mm. where Sable outpaced Marrow. And so like, she just became such a star in this. I'm going to give like the whole, the two, like if you take it on the matches alone, I would give it like a two because that was just, the matches weren't great. And it was, they were just setting everything up over. I'm going to give it like a five just because while it, like we know the trajectory that it went in and what we got from it. I think even looking at this is just like the pocket moment that it was while it set up the future, this it wasn't great to me on its own, just kind of like where it stands. So, um, and who would have known, nobody at the time or anything like that, like just how much they, of a star they were about to have in Sable. Interesting. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. I mean, that's the thing with the payoff scores that we, we look at the, the broader picture of things. Um, my my payoff score on this is a two and a half. Oof. And here's why. I mean, obviously there's nothing memorable about it. Look, look who the players were. Okay. Triple H. Yeah. Pretty talented guy. Sable. Now, arguably was as almost as hot as Steve Austin at one point. I mean, huge, you know, got over huge with the crowd. Mark Merrow, guy with a lot of talent. So you mix them in and you say, okay, we, we've got, you've got something here to work with. This, this Mark Merrow-Sable combination, how should we debut them? What should we call them? You know, what should the, the gimmick or, or characters be? Uh, how should we, you know, make him a star from day one? I mean, you sit there and you look at this and it's garbage what they came up with. The gimmick sucked. The angle wasn't great. You had, these, you had very talented people. I've seen them do far more with far less, okay? So it needed to be packaged differently. It needed to be presented differently. Um, it's just, 
frustrating, right? So a two and a half, it's not the talent's fault at all. It was just terribly booked um, and, and disappointing. So that's where I am on this. Uh, it's nothing against the performers. It's strictly just awful, awful, awful booking. And so much more could have been done with this. And it's disappointing. And it was, hey, no, no, I was just saying it was a rough stretch for uh, our guy, Triple H, because, you know, he, the pedigree gets no sold, which apparently he was pissed off about behind the scenes. Okay. And then he's supposed to win the King of the Ring. And what happened? Oh, curtain call. So he gets, you know, put into a hog pen matches with, uh, you know, Phineas Godwin for, uh, or maybe it was Henry Godwin, but it was just. Don't put down those matches. Oh, yeah. Well, it it was, it was quite a, quite a, you know, change uh, there. So, any rate, that's it. Um, really good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, if you don't have anything else, I'll just plug. Uh, of course, like we said, we Mark Mar- just he really has a second career now with what he's out there doing. And so he's on Twitter and Instagram. It's just at Mark Marrow. Um, so make sure to not only check out his social media, but then also his website as well too, with him just kind of doing um, some of his speaking gigs. He talks for, or he does, he talks to kids. He's kind of out there kind of uh, doing a lot of motivational stuff, putting his name out there to make sure that, uh, that people know who he is and really just, representing himself super well so great guy all around so um, of course as we start the show subscribe to the payoff wherever you listen uh, give us those five stars on apple podcast or wherever you're listening good reviews and then spread the word about the show you can always find us of course on social media it's at, at payoff pod twitter instagram facebook uh, tom i'm not gonna try and replicate the uh roar as you did in the beginning here but i'll let you uh, send us home hopefully with no more animal sounds dude i'm not gonna try to replicate it again it was terrible thank you All right. As always, thank you for joining us on The Payoff.